Hello. I hope you're all having a great start to your week, a great Monday. Hello, Angie, Jeff, Pepper, Anne-Marie. I uh, hope you're having a, a great day. Uh, good morning, afternoon, whatever time it is, wherever you're at. All right. Hey, let's jump in. Uh, I asked a lot of questions in the description uh, of this video. Uh, what is the promise when you stand resolute in your discipline? Uh, what is the promise when you, you dive deep into spiritual discipline? <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, we talk about discipline, but what is it unto? Uh, and so I want to get into some of these questions, but first I want to um, kind of jump back into yesterday. Uh, we talked uh, about conviction yesterday, and it was an, it's an important topic to discuss uh, because it it leads you into something, right? It, it leads you uh, into repentance and, and turning back into the face of God. And um, I want to go through some of what I wanted to talk about yesterday and didn't get to because uh, I, I really felt uh, Holy Spirit pushing to discuss, hey, you know, we can't divide our attention away from uh, what God is calling us into, right? Your individual calling, you you have to be able to say yes to that and be committed to it and, and be committed to it with it, with uh, an attention that is undivided into other things. And so um, I, I briefly hit on a couple of the points that were relevant uh, from my notes yesterday, but overall, I didn't, didn't get to a lot of it. Excuse me. <clears throat> and so I wanted to get into that um, a little bit today and then look at the backside of having discipline and that promise. And so um, asking the question yesterday, what is driving you to answer the call of God? Uh, what was it that initially had you feeling uh, the conviction to, to say yes, right? Uh, God is, is disciplining you for a calling, <clears throat> excuse me. So we got to look at what is it that is, uh, driving you to say, yes, there had to, uh, have been some, some catalyst where, uh, you said to yourself, uh, those, those great things, enough is enough. Like uh, I'm tired of, of what's going on here and I am ready to say yes and move forward, right? And so in that moment, you have a, a conviction uh, in your spirit to respond. And, and that conviction in your spirit, it's likely something that's going to stay with you, right? Uh, that resolute conviction that, uh, that you hold on to in your spirit uh, or the, the conviction that, that keeps your spirit resolute uh, is going to continue to be with you and going to continue to allow you to say yes, right? You you looked at what is the calling God's given you and you said yes, right? You look at where it is he's calling you to and you say yes. You look at who it is he's calling you to go serve and you say yes. You look at who it is he's saying you are and say yes. You look at when it is he's calling you to go and you say yes. And then you get to the fun why questions. Why this calling? 
and again say yes? Why this location? And again, say yes. Why this group of people? And make agreement with that. Say yes. Why this timing? What is it that's significant about this timing? And make agreement with that. Say yes. Right? He, he's convicting you in all these different ways, but we have to make sure we're looking at conviction correctly. Right? So at first it was responding just simply to yes or no. Just make a decision. Yes, I'm going to go with this calling or no, I'm not. And from there, you continue to say yes. As you investigate further, you continue to say yes. And then you take that information and you turn it into a decision that that uh, compels action, right? Uh, so within all of that, uh, the conviction is to discipline, right? And, and that that's the, the, the big point that we were talking about in the series that we started yesterday, right? It's all about discipline. But in understanding that, Discipline coming from Jesus, his rod and his staff, they comfort us. Right? Discipline isn't something that produces guilt and shame in us. Right? It produces uh, restoration. It produces repentance. Right? We look at the psalm and his rod and his staff comfort us. He leads us to green pastures. And in that part where he causes us to lie down in green pastures, he he takes us there. Jesus takes us to these green pastures and causes us to eat, right? Causes us to feed on this lush pasture, pasture that he's brought us to. It isn't just uh, about bringing you there. Once you get there, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm having a problem this morning. Once you get there, He's nourishing you in that, right? There's, there's a discipline there to accept that. And, okay, so one of the things we talked about yesterday is that uh, how the Pharisees and Sadducees, they needed to repent. And they were missing the heart connection uh, that the law was bringing. They were, they were missing the purpose behind it and what it was driving them to. And so they needed to repent. And, and we kind of looked at that quickly yesterday. And that is one of the big things about conviction is, is that the way that they were using conviction was to control and manipulate, manipulate. It wasn't anything about freedom. It wasn't uh, about fullness. It wasn't about life. It was just simply about control. It was about setting them up in positions that uh, they had power and they had prestige and, and they, they became this elite group of people. But in that they had become undisciplined uh, in their, their personal and collective pursuit of God. Right. All of what they did was for show. Uh, they could give all the right answers, uh, perform, and it was a performance. Uh, they could perform flawlessly the, the 
rituals and religious duties uh, and hold everyone around them to the letter of the law. But there was no connection on the inside. Their own hearts had stopped beating for God uh, because they loved their privileged lives. And they failed to remain disciplined. And, and that's that's one of the things that we have to watch out for. Right? We can go to church on Sunday mornings, uh, be dutiful in reading scripture, uh, even praying. But it's all it's all empty. It's just noise unless there is the real relationship and heart connection. And the beauty of this is, is that when you find conviction coming to you from this, it shouldn't produce guilt and shame in you. It should reduce repentance. So when you shine the light on it, it loses power. You turn your face back to God and say, search me. And he opens this up. And whatever is holding you back just diminishes. Disciplines, these are these are things that you get the honor of diving into. It, it's a special thing for you to say, I get to get into this discipline here. Right? And, and look at it as an opportunity to receive glory as you search out a matter. And we talk about Proverbs 25.2. Uh, it, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search out a matter, right? You get to search it out. You have the opportunity to do that. And what I don't want you to hear in all of this is that you should be robotic in carrying out your discipline. Like we talked about earlier, this isn't obligation or duty, right? So don't be robotic in this. There needs to be love and, and passion. And you hear us uh, at Unedited Life talk about passion, uh, energy, and authority, and, and how you should be pointing those in the right direction. And you can take it a, a step further and even say that uh, my passion, my energy, and authority, these are the, the currency that I get to spend every day in pursuit of God, in, in walking out the calling that he's brought me into. And you could ask yourself, am I, am I budgeting my passion, energy, and authority and spending it in the right place? And spending it where I'm having the greatest impact for the kingdom? That's what discipline and conviction produce. It doesn't produce guilt and shame. It produces you to, to go after God. So you got to ask, you know, what discipline are you highlighting for me right now, God? And then talk to Holy Spirit about spilling out your, your passion, energy, and authority or spending the currency of your passion, energy, and authority uh, into that. And so, again, we're talking about conviction, not as something that you should feel produces uh, guilt and shame. Those aren't fruits of the spirit. Right? Conviction should produce in you motivation. And when you embrace conviction as correction and not punishment, 
because you are unpunishable. And we'll, we'll talk about that uh, a couple Sundays from now. Conviction should produce motivation. And so as you embrace it as correction, it points you right back to the embrace of the Father. It doesn't point you to anything lesser than. It points you right back into the Father's embrace, into his love. Right? And that should fuel uh, motivation that sparks in you passion and becomes an inferno of focused energy and authority, right? That's what it should be producing. Discipline's not about rigorous duty, okay? It, it's about uh, seeing areas that could be improved and uh, sustaining the areas where you excel. And, and in that recognition of, of seeing and understanding uh, that without walking into this with uh, a heart to connect, uh, you're, you're wasting your time. It's got to go back to that. It's got to go back to that relationship that you have with Jesus, right? This, this conviction producing motivation in you should be uh, just as uh, resolute as Jesus was in the garden when he was sweating blood and praying that he wouldn't die until he made it to the cross because of his passion for you. He was exercising uh, uh, his authority in that moment and spending his energy into making sure that he carried out his passion for you. There was discipline there. And so we can't con view conviction and discipline uh, as anything other than the beckoning love of God calling you, right? And, and that that beckoning may come gently, uh, and at other times it may come suddenly and startle you. And those those startling uh, times, those are usually the most effective because they get your attention, right? Uh, that's that's something that that may jump out at you and say, "Whoa, all right, here we go." And, and it may not always be his big booming voice you hear coming out of the clouds that gets your attention. Maybe it's the the language he uses or the visions or the vivid pictures, the dreams that uh, shocks you into awareness of what he's saying to you. Right, we, we've listened to some people that uh, have heard some colorful language that is like, whoa, it makes them sit up and take notice. Right? You, you have to be able to, to evaluate these things and understand that, okay, I'm feeling this conviction of what it's producing in me. It's not running and hiding, not erecting walls between me and God, but it's, it's turning me back to him. It's leading me back into his embrace because I can repent and, and move forward and feel even closer connection to him. If you're quick to do that, you're going to find some wonderful and beautiful things that are in those moments. You're going to, you're going to find a warm, tender embrace there. 
it's an absolutely incredible thing. And before we transition into uh, the backside of discipline, I want to read a couple of Proverbs. Now, the first one is Proverbs 19.20. It says, listen well to wise counsel and be willing to learn from correction so that by the end of your life, you'll be known for your wisdom. This conviction that we talked about yesterday, it brings correction because when you embrace that, excuse me, when you embrace that as correction, it strengthens your character. It allows you to uh, make changes. And Angie talked about this yesterday with David. The first time when he tried to bring the ark back to the holy city, he did it as a king. Dressed in all his splendor. But it didn't work. And he was convicted. And he embraced the correction. And the next time he went out as a priest. And he made way. And was committed to doing it in a manner that, that God wanted him to. And he was he looked at the, the discipline that it was going to take to do that. And he followed through with it. Because he could see the backside of what what was going to happen here, right? He could see the promise. Angie also talked yesterday about, you know, uh, the grace that David operated in wasn't available at, at that time. But because he could see the promise of Jesus and what was coming, he was able to operate in that grace. So he learned from correction and could be known for wisdom. The other proverb I want to look at uh, is Proverbs 20, 18. It says, if you solicit good advice, then your plans will succeed. So don't charge into battle without wisdom, for wars are won by skillful strategy. Wars are won by skillful strategy. This is another important point that I want you to be able to see here is because when you're given that call and you say yes, and you start to uh, dig into all these things, uh, the questions of, of uh, what, of uh, where, who, when, why, it's important because you're seen while you can In saying yes, you're starting with the vision, starting with having vision while you can and seeing as far as you're willing to look. And that, that I think is another significant point to, to, to bring out here is, uh, if you stop being inquisitive and you stop, uh, being curious, you're only going to see as far as you're willing to question. You have to be willing to continue to ask the questions and continue to be uh, inquisitive and curious, right? Jesus wants to be in relationship with you and and he wants to be right there with you. But in partnership, he's not going to usurp your free will and make decisions. Uh, Again, partnership 
it's a big deal to God. Yes, he created you in his image and his nature. But what he did not uh, create were little robots that only moved within the, the parameters of their programming. Right? You are programmed with creativity and a will that is all your own. Uh, yes, you're, you are born in the very nature and image of God. And with that comes all the benefits. And like Angie pointed out a couple weeks ago, all the problems as well. But being in that nature and having and carrying that image that positions you uh, to share the responsibility of making decisions within the partnership. So you are getting the what, where, who, when, why from God, all of that information, but what you're bringing into the partnership from yourself is the how you get to start making decisions, right? So you're going, you're only going to be able to see as far as you're willing to question. So you have to, have to, have to dig into the what, where, who, when, and why. It is an essential uh, point of curiosity for you to really get into those things. Because you're only going to be able to see as far as you're willing to question. And at some point, God is going to say, okay, that's far enough. And then you need to start making decisions and you need to take action. It can't just remain in that point of questioning. There needs to come a time where you shift from questions to action. But what what you don't do when you, when you switch there is stop being curious, right? My, my favorite question at this point to ask is, is the awe question. And what else? And what else? You move into action, but you're continuing to stay curious as you take action. And you're asking, and what else? Keep asking the awe question, right? And what else? And so, you know, as your picture of your calling turns to to really vivid imagery uh, through your willingness to have vision while you can, uh, you're going to be able to start counting the cost better. And this is where we start being able to look at the backside of it. Because if you haven't heard it already, which if you've been listening at all, uh, part of counting the cost of your calling or any assignment uh, within your calling is to look closely at the promise, right? Keep an eye on the promise of where you're going because you have to be willing to ask, am I willing to sacrifice what he's showing me in order to gain what he has promised? If I only look at sacrifice, it can be discouraging. But if I look at sacrifice in the, the tension held with promise, then things don't look so much sacrificial anymore. Right? It, it, we could change the language on this even and say that 
it's not a sacrifice. It's a trade, right? He is removing these lesser things or asking me to give up these lesser things in order to gain over here. In order to live the full tilt life, that abundant life, right? I can't stress this enough and we can't stop talking about it because it is uh, something that we've seen gets people discouraged. They don't want to have vision while they can. They don't want to look at and see the promise. Yes, I know there are points along the way that are building you, building you up to that promise, but we have to keep looking at the promise. And once you're, you're seeing that promise and you're seeing it really well, you have to be able to ask yourself, am I committed? And I mentioned this question yesterday because when he is asking you for undivided attention, it is going to take a commitment from you to remain focused. It is going to take a commitment from you to remain disciplined. It is going to take a commitment from you to continue to say yes to him and continue to say no to anything trying to distract you. So that's really what I want wanted you to focus on today uh, because this is part of what uh, should be motivating you to dive deep into spiritual disciplines is the promise that comes on the backside of living the disciplined life. And again, even if you are, or I should say, even if the action that you're taking doesn't look perfect in your eyes, do it anyways. Right? Take imperfect action and allow Holy Spirit to judge effectiveness and perfection. you're likely to find uh, his opinions far more insightful uh, of your actions than you're willing to see yourself. Right? And we could take a page from uh, those people called to minister in the business world that they're not necessarily focused on the outcome. They're focused on the key performance indicators that are leading to success, how they define success. Right, the outcome may look in, may have a, a different um, manifestations at the end, right? But what they're really looking at is, was it successful? They're not necessarily focused on the outcome, they're focused on success. And that's what we have to be thinking about, even if we're taking action that we deem imperfect. Allow Holy Spirit to tell you whether or not it's effective. Allow him to say if it's perfection or not. We can't be too, too hard and judgmental on ourselves. And, and we saw this in uh, the video, uh, uh, the live that Invictus did um, last Wednesday, I believe, or a week ago Wednesday. On shame. And what that brought out, right? 
you can't hold a double standard that's more uh, grace-filled and insightful for others than it is for yourself, right? You can't self-punish uh, because you believe you took uh, imperfect action, right? When you take action that you deem imperfect, look closely at how uh, Holy Spirit speaks to you about it, how he speaks to you about it, and what specifically he says. Yes, imperfect action is far better than no action. Absolutely. So when you take that imperfect action, see what it is, how Holy Spirit speaks to you, and what specifically he says, how and what, crucially important when it's coming from him. Because how he deals with you is important because you want to start applying that to yourself. When you look at yourself in the mirror, you want to be able to apply that same way of talking to yourself that he does. It's good to use that same language, what he's saying. And this is going to lead you into greater levels of glory uh, and with increased confidence to continue taking further action. To just continue saying yes and moving forward. To confidently be able to ask, and what else? And be excited about the answer. Seeing how Holy Spirit deals with you gives you a greater decision-making ability in the future. Because now you're able to see farther before taking the action. Right? He opens up a broader landscape when he answers your questions. Again, though, as you, you may see it as imperfect, just got to say, let it go, right? If you see something as imperfect, let it go. All right, Elsa, let it go. And then just do it anyways. Just take action. Just take action. God has a promise for you. There is so many great things uh, on the backside of your discipline, wisdom, revelation, greater intimacy with him. An advancement of the kingdom. There's so much in the fullness of what he has for you on the backside. But you've got to be able to see it. You've got to be able to look at it. You've got to be able to hold that up and be able to say, as I count the cost, this is what I see as the promise. So I'm going to trade whatever it is that you're asking for, God, for the promise that you have for me. This is an important one, and uh, I was doing this just with myself this morning, right? Thinking through these things and, and looking at, and what else? What am I missing here? One of the things for me is that my mindset needed to expand. Along with the expansion that he is, is asking me to step into, I had to expand my mind. And part of counting the cost of that is, 
is the reputation that I believed that I had. Which really reputation exists in our own minds most of the time, right? Because what people say about us shouldn't be more important than what God says about us. Your identity is found from him and not from other people. And so I'm having to shift my own mindset here in, in counting the cost of this, but shifting it to look at what does it look like for me to expand? What does it look like for my mind to come and expand and match what it is he's showing me of how he's expanding me in the spiritual realm and the promise of where he's expanding me with influence in the natural. So I'm having to make a shift in my own mind about that. And that's part of the conviction that he's laid on me is to take my mind and set it in a different place. And I'm excited about it. I really am. Expand or die, right? Bridget asks, how do we see the promise? Hey, that's a great question. Um, this is part of being inquisitive. So when you're asking about the call, ask about the promise too. When you start asking why questions, you're going to start seeing the promise unfold. Again, this goes back to, to your union with Jesus. You have to be able to quiet what's going on around you and really start asking questions. You really have to be able to dig into that because that's part of, of that time initially right up front. When you're asking those questions, he's going to break open the promise as well. You've got to be able to recognize those points, though. That's why I love the and what else question. Because when he shows you a piece of who you are in the promise of who he calls you, you may not see that as something you are right this moment but it's who he sees you as. So, you know, that is where you're going. That is who you are in the promise. So that's a, a facet of the promise right there. So I hope that's helpful in understanding how to see that. I don't know what the personal promise is, just what's declared in scripture. That's good. You got to know what's declared in scripture too. You got to know what's declared there. But I can assure you there's a personal promise in answering the call that he's given you. It's your job, Kings, to go search it out. All right.
I think on that note, we are going to to pray and and move forward and take action this week. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can come before you and ask questions. I'm thankful that you are patient and loving with our questions and so willing to answer them. Jesus, I thank you that you stood disciplined and committed to your passion for us, which allows us to live as new creations, which allows us to sit co-seated, which allows us to start everything from a place of victory. I thank you for wisdom and revelation and the answers that you give to our questions. I thank you for the partnership that we share as ones who carry your nature and image. And I declare over all of you answers to the questions that you're looking for and wisdom to make good decisions to take action that you can take action from. Father, give us each a boldness and courage to stand resolute in what it is you've called us to do and to stand resolute in our yes to that calling. And our yes, every yes that follows after that. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Get out there. Take action this week. Say yes. Have vision. Take action. All right. Love you all. Have a great week.